Please take. Good evening, church. How are we doing? Now, those of you at home, I, I, I know it's tough. You're, you're working on your second cup of hot chocolate, and you've got the blanket, and at our house, you've got the dog, and all that. I, I had to go find these shoes. I haven't worn these in, I don't know, they've still got the tag on them, you know? But, uh, but anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Such a, such a joy, a privilege, an honor to be here together to celebrate the Lord's birth. Just a few thoughts here for you this evening, just uh, thoughts to enrich our lives and help us focus in on what Christmas means. So, uh, so we'll jump right in. Season of hope, yes it is. I got thinking about a Christmas carol, heard it on the radio. Um, it came upon a midnight clear, just musically, such a, a Stephen Curtis Chapman remake of an old hymn. It was, it was written, I think, 1850s or so. Uh, and at, the, at the time, they were finishing up the Spanish-American War, a lot of unrest in the country. Uh, and and the, one of the, uh, it came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. What really got my attention, though, was the third stanza. It says, uh, And ye, beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, whose toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for gold and gladden hours, come swiftly on the wing, and rest beside the weary road, and hear the angels sing. Some beautiful verses there. But just the thought that, you know, maybe the angels had something to say to us. And I just camped on those. Tonight, I just want to share with you a few really meditations, uh, devotional thoughts from, from that phrase right there that the angels give us of what? Of, I come to tell you what? Good news of great joy, which will be for all people, all the people. Just thinking about that. Good news, good news. We could use some good news, couldn't we? Vaccines on the way, I hope. Hopefully COVID will be past us here in a few months. But, uh, but we could always use some good news. We could always use some encouragement in our faith. Encouragement in the things of God. So we're just going to camp on that thought there a little bit for tonight. Um, you know, you think this was, this was good news to the nation of Israel at the time. You think about that. You think of how before this there had been 400 years of silence from the voice of God. Nothing. No prophets. No priests. No, I mean, it was just quiet. And sometimes we know silence isn't golden, right? But here you see the initiative of God. The God, God reaching down and sending His Son initiating something new, doing something new, that he's remembering his covenant to his people, Israel, right? He's remembering his covenant to his promised people, initiating something new. I think about my own life and think about, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old kid at Virginia Tech, I, 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 I didn't do nearly as well as you've done, Stephen. I had a 1.4 average <laughs> grade point. It's supposed to be the other way around. It's supposed to be 4.0, right? It's supposed but I had a 1.4 at Virginia Tech. I was a very, very sad young man. And, um, and, and somehow there were some folks on the campus who, who showed the love of Christ to me, who they'd go to meals with me, and they invited me to in on a Bible study. And I, after a while, maybe six weeks or so, I said, you know what? 
Lord, I don't know if this is true or not. But if it's true, that you'll take the broken pieces of my life, like a piece of pottery just laying on the floor, if you'll take the broken pieces of my life and give me a new life, if I could leave my guilt and my shame all behind and start fresh, I'm in, you got me. And, and from that day, literally, it's been a path of devotion that, that, that he put a call on my life. He, put a, he gave me a purpose to live. He kind of lifted me out of that depression, gave me forgiveness, adopted me as his child. And uh, I, I tell you, I just, it, it's been a life-changing thing here 40 years ago now. But you think about these broken relationships and how here the initiative of God is that he would reach down and give us a new life. And then, what's the point for us saints? Here tonight, you're saved, you're, you know, maybe this is, this is old hat for some of you, I understand that, but let me ask you a question. Are there broken relationships in your life that we need to square away? Do we need to be at peace with someone? Is there, is there someone in your past, someone in your future, in your present? I, I, I don't know. Not meaning to mess in your business. But we have a God who initiates restoration of broken relationships. And at Christmas time, you know, we've got the, the best excuse in the world to say, you know what? I was just thinking about you. It's Christmas time. Thought I'd reach out to you and tell you I love you. That's all you have to say. I heard, heard from an old friend uh, a few days ago. And uh, just so refreshing. Just to see an old friend, hear from an old friend. So I encourage you. Uh, you know, as many of you know, we've had a divorce in our family in the last year or so. And I wouldn't say that our relationships are broken, but I would say that they're strained. Some are tight as a banjo string. I mean, there's tension there. It takes work. It takes humility to go and say, you know what, I, I'm sorry, did I offend you? Um, it's being willing to forgive. We serve a God who restores relationships. He brings people back together. A couple thoughts there. Uh, where are we? Uh, Ephesians 4. Be tenderhearted, kind to one another, forgiving to one another, just as Christ, God in Christ has forgiven you. There we go. Good thoughts there. So that's the first challenge to you. It says God restores broken relationships. Secondly, that this was good news to mankind. You think of all the wonderful things that have been done in the name and honor of Jesus Christ. You think about hospitals being built to heal the sick, to give healing, to bring uh, health back. You think about orphanages for, for children, uh, giving adoption, giving care, being resourced. You think about uh, so many things that, that would bring the word of God and the light of the gospel to, to dark places. You think about wells being drilled in, in remote places, Africa and Latin America, places just to get clean water to people in the name of Christ. See, that's the key, isn't it? It's not just that we're serving and giving and acting as the church, but we're doing it in the name and in the honor of Christ Jesus. You think about universities and Bible colleges and enriching the mind and giving education and giving opportunity and trade schools and halfway houses. And the list goes on and on and on of all the different things that have been done through the millennia in the name and in honor of Jesus Christ. You think that he was really good news for mankind. Because what he gave us, you're exactly right, Julian, is an example Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to serve. He didn't come to Hollywood, did he? No, he came to downtown Baltimore. 
He came to places that were broken. He came to a stable. Not even a, not even a Motel 6. I mean, just a stable. I mean, he came, he came to the parking lot, in essence. Right? I mean, it was just a broken place. A place of humility. Not a place of honor. Not a place of respect or nobility. But a place to serve. That he came to give his life as what? A ransom. What's a ransom? A hostage, right? Situation. So what does the ransom do? Well, it restores freedom, right? A ransom restores freedom. That's exactly what he did for us. Gave us our lives back. Restored freedom. Hmm. You think sometimes, you know, you stand back and look. And personally, one of my goals for this next year is I want to be sharing the gospel more. I want to be telling the story of Jesus to other people just as much as I can, as much as the Lord will allow me to see the opportunity and seize the moment. And, and you have to wonder sometimes, you ask yourself, well, does it, does it really matter? I mean, does, does it really matter what we believe? You ever ask that question to yourself? You go out sharing the gospel, maybe a Muslim background, maybe a different faith, and you say, well, does it really matter what people... Yeah, I, I, I conclude to you that it does. Because what you worship is what you aspire to. Right? And we look to the example of humility and service of Jesus Christ, of self-sacrifice, of giving, of caring, of loving. Here, even here at Christmas, of loving us enough to come. His example of humility. And I say, you know what? Christianity is God reaching down to man not man reaching up to God, right? It's not a ladder of good works. I used to think that way, right? Before I, before I met Jesus, I had a Methodist background growing up, and I used to think, well, if my good works outweigh my bad works, I'll get tossed into heaven. Is that good theology? What do you think? No, no, it's not. It's not by works that we're saved, right? It's by faith that we're saved. It's by grace that we're saved. Amen. Get off the works treadmill. You can never do enough of them. Right? It's by faith. I have to place my faith. Just like I would sit down in a chair, you, you place your faith in that chair. You rest in that chair. That's the gospel. The good news is that we don't have to earn it, saints. It's been given to you. It's been won for you. So, you know, as we think about uh, getting a glimpse of what God wants to do, I was driving through Ellicott City the other day and the storefront windows down there, you know, they doll them all up, and there's a little train going round and round, and 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 the and the dad's pointing out to the son, well, this and this and this and this, but the trouble is the son is down here, he can't see in the window, you know, and this time it's like that. I think, God, could you pick me up? Could you give me a bigger picture of what you want to do in my community as we get out of this COVID and get out of this fearfulness of, of oh, am I going to get sick? You know, it drives me nuts. But that's where we are. I, I accept that. But as we emerge from this and have a new sense of community, I, I hope as a church we plan to pray and to serve and to get engaged again with our communities when this is all over. Challenge to us. Second Peter, or First Peter 2, 21. What did we say here? You've been called for this purpose because Christ has suffered for you. given you an example. But that idea that we've been called, that we've been, we've been summoned by God, to follow his example. A couple of thoughts here. Knowing God. Excellent, excellent, uh, excellent book. He talks about 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 9. It says, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 
is what Jesus did to lay down his life for us. The laying aside of his glory, a voluntary restraint of his power, an acceptance of hardship and isolation and ill treatment and malice, misunderstanding, and finally a death that involves such agony, spiritual even more than physical, that his mind nearly broke under the prospect of it. It meant love for the undermost, for unlovely human beings like us, that they, through his poverty, that us, might, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the Christmas message, that there's hope for a ruined humanity, hope for pardon, hope for peace with God, hope for glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. That's the most wonderful message the world has ever heard or ever will hear. Good book there. Good word there. And then thirdly, as we turn the corner here and finish up, that this is good news of great joy for you and for me as we light our candles, that think that he brings light into darkness. Um, he, he gives revelation. He reveals the heart of God for you and for me. And, you know, as we, if you think about this for a moment, as we set aside the lights and the gifts and the meal and the cookies and the bread and all the other things that happen at Christmas. The message of Christmas is that God wants a relationship with you. Have you settled that? Have you embraced Jesus Christ as your own? That's the message of Christmas. That he's here for you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Because like the rest of the phrase there says, born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you think, well, why do I need a Savior? Right? We can miss the grace of God two ways here. We can say, well, I'm a pretty good, pretty good person. Why do I need God? Why do I need saving? Because you're lost. I'm sorry, but the Bible describes you as lost. The Bible describes you as perishing. Outside of Jesus Christ, you have no hope and without God in the world. So, so we, can, we can err on the side of being too good to need God and we can err on the side of saying oh I'm such a wretched man you know if, if, if the Lord knew maybe the things I looked at on the internet if the Lord knew maybe the, the thoughts of my mind if the Lord knew my background whatever he could never save me I'm so, I'm so wrong God could never make me right yes he could yes he can he can save you he can redeem you he can have a relationship with you I promise that you haven't gone too far to be redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't miss the grace of God. You can miss it either way, of being too proud to receive him as a free gift or being too despairing to receive him as a free gift. But he wants a relationship with you, and that's the message of Christmas. You know, I was reading another book here, uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. It, it's a Baptist... Uh, minister, uh, pastor down Texas driving along and an 18 wheeler comes and plows and pins, him against, pins his car against a guardrail he's pronounced dead at the scene and for 90 minutes he was in heaven supposedly now I believe the story because he didn't tell it for three years he spent 13 months in a hospital bed couldn't change his own diaper I mean it was horrific how they had to stitch him all back together. And, 
I mean, we don't need a third party to validate our faith. But what was fun for me is to ask myself the question, you know, what if it's, what if it's all gloriously, wonderfully, and eternally true? Have you ever asked yourself that? If the hope of heaven, the, the eternal uh, security that we have as, as believers in Jesus Christ, knowing that we're going to be in heaven, he describes it a little bit. Glorious lights, music, having loved ones greet him that had died earlier before with no disfigurement. They had all their teeth again. They didn't have a hunchback like me. Beautiful, restored people that we would see them. It, just, it was fun for me just to, you know, the years are rolling by. I'll turn 60 here in a year or two. I know you young people, you don't think about heaven. We think about a lot about our health. Lisa will say, I want my new body. I'm tired of this old one. It hurts too much. Right? So just the hope of heaven, that that's there for saints. It, would it give us a smile on our faces a little bit more at the grocery store line? Would it, would it cause us to be a little kinder with our neighbor if we, if we really thought, well, you know, this world's not my home. That mortgage isn't going to follow me into heaven. Right? I got a new home. I got a new earth. I got a new to spend eternally, eternity with the Lord. It, it just, uh, I don't know, it just was, was kind of neat to dream a little bit about that. So this baby who grows up to be a man, a suffering servant, that he died for you and me. Ephesians 5, a couple verses here. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, truth, as you learn what's pleasing to the Lord. But not to earn our salvation. We've already got that. That's a free gift. But you're his child. right? You're adopted by him. And to live under his care, to live under his protection, to live in his joy, that one would lay down his life for you and for me. Merry Christmas, church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for the security of heaven the security of salvation, the security of forgiveness that's found in your word, that you have promised us these things. Help us to embrace them. Help us to live in them, to be immersed in them, in your love, in your care, in your forgiveness, in your provision. For you are a good, good father. Thank you for giving us your son at Christmas time. Amen.